Hello and welcome, everyone. My name is Matt, and this is Journey to Freedom podcast. This show is all about traveling, financial freedom, success stories, and so much more. In this podcast, I talk with a diverse community of people about their stories from around the world and my own life experiences with traveling and finance. Join me to my weekly series to learn more. Welcome back to another episode of Journey to Freedom. It's been an exciting three months so far with many amazing guests, stories, and advices from all around the world. In my latest episode, I have talked about some great places to travel to, heard from guests from California, Bali, and Florida, and shared their life success stories. Today, we're going back to another topic that I absolutely love, which is finance and specifically financial independence. I hope you're a little bit familiar with this topic and the idea of achieving FI in early stages of your life. And if you aren't, check out two of my episodes, episode number six and seven, where I talk about what financial independence is, how to achieve it, and how to save and invest for the future. And today I'm bringing a very special guest who is currently on the path to achieving FI with a little bit over $400,000 net worth, Grace from Road to Fire. Road to Fire can be also found on Instagram and YouTube channel. In this episode, I want to dive deeper into this topic and show you that becoming financially independent is really possible. Grace has been documenting her financial independence family journey for over a year right now and have some really amazing videos, artwork, and charts that can help you understand this topic so much easier. Her YouTube channel and Instagram information, as well as full full show notes from this episode can be found on my Patreon account today. So head out to this week's episode description to find a link to my Patreon account to support my work and have this podcast grow even more. But let's get back to this episode and talk about Road to Fire. So Grace, welcome to Journey to Freedom podcast. It's really great having you here. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Grace, I know we were sharing this uh, this whole common idea of uh, loving, you know, financial independence and saving and investing and trying to be frugal. Um, and like I said, I a little bit mentioned about uh, this topic uh, on my previous episodes, but I want to talk with you specifically because I know you have uh, more experience in that and you're actually on the path to financial independence. Um, I, let's just start with the first uh, thing. Let's just maybe just define financial independence for those who aren't really too familiar with it with, with this topic um what would you say it's financial independence yeah so everybody defines it a little bit differently but the first thing that comes in my mind is freedom but in its true sense financial independence is more so having your everyday expenses being covered from sources outside of your traditional w-2 or work so you'll have business income real estate income dividend income investment income helping supplement your expenses and pay for it throughout your lifetime and then, so what were your beginnings with financial independence? How did you um, become you know, interested in that, in that topic? Because it's not really common, I would say. Yeah, so I was always relatively good with money at a young age. Started working at 14. Um, my mother was really good at savings. She actually opened up a savings account for me and my siblings, and, and she matched everything we put in there. So she was our original 401k for us. Um, so she was a really great source of knowledge around finances. I did the standard 20s and just fell in love with spending and I got a new job 
and lifestyle creep kind of hit me hard. And then I would, I would say in my late 20s, I found the Bigger Pockets Money podcast and binged listens to all of their episodes about financial independence. And that's when I was introduced to FIRE. And that was about two to three years ago. Since then, I probably listen to an episode a day about FIRE. And I'm constantly reading about the concept to just get more educated on it overall. Nice. Have you read any books, anything that you would recommend for other people as well? I'm just wondering, or any podcasts that people should um, look into? Yeah, yeah. So I challenge myself to read two to three books a month. Um, and at least one or is a financial book or like a self-help book or a fiction book or nonfiction book. So I make sure I have a long, long range of books. I would say Bigger Pockets, they have a real estate and monies podcast. Love them both. Journey to Launch is a great stepping stone podcast to getting into Fi. Really love her. I also listen to Brown Ambition, which is a great podcast about money. And then I would say my latest, greatest book that I read was mm, Quit Like a Millionaire. So that was a really great book that kind of helped me get into like the nitty gritty details of how to manage your investments. So I'm just curious also what's happening with, uh, with you know, the financial community. Obviously, I think once you get into it, once you start listening to podcasts and read books and you understand that there is a really way to save money, invest and retire early. But I know that not a lot of people are really familiar with this. And, um, you know, not a lot of people are fully, I would say, educated when it comes to that topic as well. This is not something that people are not really taught at school, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, you don't really know about it until you, I guess, bump into someone or you hear about it on Instagram or any social media. And then eventually, if you're really interested into it, then you gotta, you, you start reading about it and listening about it and you get more engaged, right? You start thinking, wow, this is actually possible, I can do it. Um, why do you think there's, a, there's this kind of misconception or this, um, this I guess, uh, problem, I guess, that people aren't too educated about that? Yeah, two things come into mind. The first one, I just, today, I just posted a poll on my YouTube channel about how did you learn about finances? Was it your mom? Was it your dad? Was it your friends? Was it family or other? And 85% of the nearly 2,000 people who voted said um, it was from myself. So that's the biggest problem we have is that no one's really passing down generational wealth knowledge from parent to child. And so a lot of the times you don't talk about finances in your family. You don't have these conversations with your friends or your cousins. So that becomes a huge issue. And then I also see the traditional school system. So we learn about all of these concepts and equations and statistics and um a hypagalum theorem, is that how you say it? And all these like math equations, but you don't learn about how to manage your money, right? So by the time you graduate high school here in the States, you have learned about geography, theology, sociology, biologies, all of the biologies, but you have spent no time learning about finances. So I think that's a huge miss in our school system. And so I, if I had to sum it up, it's just family knowledge, having that conversation with your parents and those around you, and then education system, not really teaching people about money. And that's the thing that just like you mentioned, it's a kind of a taboo uh, topic. People don't really want to talk oh, yeah. about it. And that's the thing that I absolutely love about your, you know, social media, your YouTube channel, your Instagram, that you're uh, very comfortable sharing your numbers and sharing your information with others and being very approachable, I'd say, because a lot of people don't even want to, you know, when you when you go to work, when you work with someone, it's like, it's even hard to ask someone, like, how, how much do you earn? You know, or, yeah. like, <laughs> they don't even ask you, like, what's your net worth or anything like that. Mm -hmm. 
sharing that information with others, it feels like, no, I don't want to talk about it, right? Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that because online through my platform and my channels and my Instagram and social media, I can have these conversations about money, but in person, next to nobody wants to talk about money like it. So I definitely feed off of the energy online because that kind of helps me get smarter as well and bounce back ideas here and there. So you're right. You know, even in the 21st century, it's still a taboo to talk about money. It is. It is. And that's another thing that I've, my, my FI, my financial independence journey started about two years ago. Obviously I'm at the beginning stages, but at mm -hmm. least I understand a little bit more how it works and I'm, I'm educating myself because that's another thing that people really have to do on a daily basis. Um, but that's how my financial independence started about two years ago. What would you be your, what would your, your advice be to others that would like to start um, their financial journey? Uh, in order to save, invest, and try to have, you know, a better life, I guess, just to quit the rat ways. Yeah, I know people are not going to like this, but it all starts with budgeting. So I, uh -huh. I know people are afraid of the B word. Um, if you don't want to call it a budget, call it a money plan, a money game, a money outline, whatever it want to be. But it really does come back to understanding where your dollars are going every month. So when we started budgeting effectively a couple of years ago, it shocked us. Like we were spending, and I'm going to say we, when it was really me, was spending maybe $700 a month eating out with just two of us. And we were in a small town, small Midwest town. So we're not in the height of New York City or some coastal city. We're in a small Midwest town spending $700 on food. And both my husband and I can throw down in the kitchen so we can cook. It's just a matter of us being lazy. So we didn't really know where our money was going until we started budgeting. So I always say, do you want to start on your financial journey? Understand where your money's going right now. Track it for a month. And that can give you a good read on where you can go in the future. And we're talking about, because I know some people will be like, oh my gosh, this is so boring. I don't want to do it. It's just a spreadsheet and I have to plug mm -hmm. it in every single day and all that stuff. I know there are some apps, a lot of people use it um, on their phone. Is that something that you use or do you actually do it uh, you know, manually? So I am an Excel geek, so I do use everything Excel, but I have used mint.com. There's YNAB, there's every dollar. There's tons of different platforms you can use online. There's personal capital, all these great uh, options to kind of help you track it automatically because I actually majored in finance and I love going into Excel spreadsheets. I do it the old fashioned way and track things manually with an Excel spreadsheet. So, okay, let's just say you get the budget budgeting right. So you're perfectly fine. You know where your money is going. What would be the next step after that, uh, you know, if you want to be on your on your path to financial independence? Yeah, so the, the next step would be kind of working backwards. So talk to yourself and if you're in a relationship with your partner or whoever you have within your household, where do you want to be in five years and 10 years? And you literally work backwards to that. So for example, we want to retire early in, in about nine or eight years. So then we ask ourselves, so what do we need to do to get there? How much do we need to save? How much do we need to invest? What does our rate of return need to be? How much does our monthly spending need to look like? And we kind of created a plan around that. So you create a budget, you outline where you want to be. And then I would say the third step is to kind of execute on that. So you just break down that large goal into smaller steps. So if you need to save a million dollars in 10 years, you just figure out how much you need to save each year, how much you need to save each month and kind of work onto that path moving forward. So that was the simple way of doing it. There's a lot of online calculators who can help kind of figure out for you, but budgeting is key and then figuring out what your plan is and where you want to be in X amount of years. And I love those steps. And I know that I love that you're saying that you got to, 
um, split it up a little bit. You know, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to have a million dollars in 10 years, but you yeah. got to have a plan and figure out exactly how you do it. Do it step by step. You just can't uh, take it all at once. So that's another thing that it's yeah. super important. I, I think that, sorry about that. I think that people always want to say, oh, I got to save 70% of my income or 50% of my income or have some sort of notion tied to what you're supposed to do. But I don't want to push people or kind of create a one size fit all. We all have different lives, different budgets, different needs. So literally create a plan that works for you. So what I've outlined on our channels and our social media may not work for you and your family. And that's okay because personal finance is personal. Absolutely. And also I, that's something I always say um, and stress out that your mindset is number one. You have to have oh, the yeah. right mindset in order to do it because some people are so impatient. It's all about, it's, you oh, know, yeah. people they want to they get everything right now. They want to just get that million dollars within two or three years, which is absolutely impossible for most of us. And you gotta, you gotta, you, you gotta make sure that you're on top of the game and this is going to be a long-term plan. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. I think that when you start budgeting, your first thought is to cut, cut, cut and have kind of a scarcity mindset of, I can only live off of 10% of my income, 20% of my income, 30% of my income. And you kind of cut your life and only think of limitation. But when you get to the next step and kind of thinking about your plan, you have to shift towards more of an abundance mindset and thinking about where I could potentially go and understanding that your income potential could be exponentially growing over time as well to help you get to where you need to go. So I think a lot of times when we talk about the five journey, a lot of fires or five journeyers focus a lot on the expenses side and how to cut your expenses and save on your groceries and save on rent and house hack and all that great stuff, which is amazing. But there is also the other side of income where you shift your mindset and being like, oh, I have an abundance opportunity here. Like my income is in my control with passive income streams, with side hustles, with new jobs, with promotion, all those things that we also forget about. So you're absolutely right. You shift your mindset when you're creating your long-term fight journey. And um, one of the things that you just mentioned is, uh, you know, saving, saving money, which is obviously a very important part of, of the journey. Um, and the thing is that in this community, you really should be saving more than 10, than 20, than 30, than 40%, which for some people might sound very scary. Because when I yeah. tell my friends, hey, I'm saving 60%, they're like, 60%? That's not possible. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is, this is really possible. That's, like, that's the way to do it pretty much in the, in the community. Um, what would you be, what, what would your be advice for people that are trying to get to that path and they want to save more than 20, 30, 40% of their income? Yeah. You know, just starting off, I would say start with that $100, that $150, that $200, $250, just to know what you can and cannot do. So after you've created your budget, you'll be able to kind of visually see where there are some areas of opportunity for you to save more. But like you said, people always shoot for those higher percentages right away. But I always want to say when people start in their journey, shoot for the little steps, the baby steps, the $100 a week, the $200 a week, the $300 a week, because it adds up over time and it effectively snowballs. And then you will eventually see yourself pushing yourself towards that 30%, that 40%, and that 50% over time. So right now, my family average is around 50% after tax dollars saved, but that was not always the case. You know, when we first started our budgeting, we were closer towards 20%, and dare I say, maybe even 15%, we were just spending a lot. And over time, we started adjusting our budget and our lifestyle and got to a place that fits good for us. Now, could we push ourselves to 70%? Probably. But we're really comfortable where we are at the 50% mark because it just fits the type of lifestyle we want to live and our long-term plans. Exactly. And I think it's the same with 
investing, a lot of people ask, you know, how much should I invest? Like, what should be my first investment? It's like, really doesn't matter how much you can invest. Just start yeah. investing. Obviously, you just you don't need to put a thousand or two thousand dollars. Just start with a hundred dollars, and then progressively you're gonna invest more and more. The more you learn about it, the more you educated you are, and the more you understand the risks, but also you understand the rewards. Um, so which brings me to yeah, which brings me to another topic about passive income because that's a thing that people really have to focus on in their financial um, journey. Uh, what would you say are some of the ways that people can generate passive income? I know right now there are plenty of ways to do it, but some of the staples are something that you actually do in order to generate that. Yeah, the ones that I really love that we're focusing on is rental income um, via house hacking or short-term rentals or just traditional rental income. We also have YouTube income. There's also blog ads that you could potentially use. Then there's an option to have dividends income, investment income. These are all great streams of passive income that doesn't take a lot of your time. YouTube does in the startup, but over time, it kind of becomes extremely passive. Those are the ones that we really focus on. The dream ones would be like royalty payments. That would be great to have later on in life. And I'm not a musician or anything like that, but that's just the dream. And then being able to just have additional streams that come in later on. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and another thing I want to talk about is, you know, the whole idea of uh, FIRE, which is obviously financial independent early retirement. Uh, the idea that when when I talk with my friends and I share this information, everybody thinks that, oh, you're going to retire when you're 35. So you're going to go to the beach and have a drink and do absolutely nothing for the rest of your life. And I just say, no, absolutely not. This is the absolute misconception of that. This is not what I want to do. And I know that you already mentioned that at the beginning. Um, about what financial independence really is. But what would you say that is that one misconception that people have when it comes to uh, retiring early? Oh my gosh, there are so many, um, but I'll stick to the top two that come to my head. The first one would be what you said is that the assumption is as soon as you hit your FI number, you're going to stop working. And so it may be 35, 30, 45, 50, whatever the number is at the age you hit FI, you're going to just stop working and not do anything. And for a lot of the people on the fire journey, it ends up being more recreational employment versus retire early. So I saw this great example of instead of saying financial independence, retire early, it's financial independence, recreational employment. So a lot of people end up shifting in careers and jobs they've always wanted to do. Like think about it right now. What is the one job you wish you could do right now? Most of the times we can't do it because of X amount of reasons. Now, when you hit five, you're able to make that jump and that pivot. You know, I would love to get into the nonprofit sector. They usually don't pay the best, but it's so fulfilling for me. So that's something that I see myself doing once I hit five, but I can't necessarily do right now based on the current lifestyle I have and the obligations and the bills that I have to uphold. But when I get financially independent, that is an option for me. The second misconception is that you need a large salary to be able to hit five. So um, a lot of the times you hear from a Silicon Valley tech worker who's hitting five in four years or somebody who's gotten six properties in four years and they have all this rental income and then or somebody else who ended up graduating debt free because their parents paid for their college. All these examples usually don't really resonate with the standard person. So there's this idea that you just need a large salary to be able to hit five. But in reality, you need a lower expense of living or cost of living to hit five faster. 
So it's just looking at the equation a little bit differently. I think that's a huge misconception is that I need a six-figure salary to be able to save a lot. No, you need a plan and you need to be able to rein in your expenses that work in your lifestyle. And that's how you're able to hit fire a little bit faster. I love it. I hope that after this, people will understand a little bit better what it really means. Because like yeah. you said, in order to, the, the whole reason behind it is just to start working on the things that you want to do for yourself at any time you want to. You're going to mm -hmm. be your own boss because money, it's not going to matter anymore at that point. So you can focus on things that you really love. Um, and I think that's something people don't really understand. Um, but then also another thing is that reaching that, obviously, you know, you, some people might understand the topic, might understand that this is the idea, that you're able to do it once you hit that number. But let's talk about the number, I guess, the FI number, what it's called, right? In order for people to really understand that when, when they're going to retire, they need to figure out their number. They need to figure out what amount of money they're going to need in order to retire. How do you start with that? How do you find that number? Yeah. So once you effectively budget for a couple of months, you're able to understand what does it take to live your lifestyle? So how much does it cost for a given month? You figure out, well, I spend about $4,000 a month or $2,000 a month or $3,000 a month. Then you kind of understand what your annual spending rate is. And you simply take that annual expense number and times it by 25. And that's how you equate what your FI number is overall. You can definitely add buffers. That's with the standard 4% withdrawal rate, but you can make adjustments and change. And there are dozens of calculators online that can help you kind of find that information as well. Yeah, there's honestly, there are plenty of information online where you can find this and just plugging in those uh, numbers online. It's fairly easy, to be honest. There are so many different calculators, just oh, yeah. like you said. It's really should not stop someone to uh, think about going on that road, just thinking that, oh my gosh, I have to save a million dollars in order to retire in like 10 years. I'm not going to do it. Well, you really can do it. Obviously, just chop it uh, and do it step by step because it's, yeah. it's really possible. You can find that number easily. And another thing um, I want to talk about is a little bit more about you and then your journey with FIRE because I know that currently you are actually have a family of three. It's a little bit different for everybody. Uh, for me personally, you know, I'm a single person, so that path to financial independence is going to be obviously a little bit different than uh, than for you. But I know a lot of people um, might have this misconception as well that when you have a family of three or four, or you actually you're just with someone, let's just say two or two people, it's so hard to achieve a fight. It's like impossible because your spendings are so high, and then you're spending more money and all that stuff. Um, how is it for you? Um, how is how's the path overall for you in order to to get uh, to financial independence? Yeah, you're right. I think that's also a misconception that once you have a family, it's a little bit harder to reach FI. Um, I would say this. So there's this idea that you're depriving yourself when you reach fire, that you cut your life short now so that you can live a glorious life later. And we've just realized that that's not the case for us. We just still value and education, traveling experiences and all those things. So we still spend on those items that may be non-traditional for our other fire. But when it comes to our son, we don't make any cuts for him. So he's still in a private school. He still has soccer. He still has piano lessons, French lessons, all those things at three years old, which may seem like too much, but we're still going to give him everything he needs but we make adjustments in our budget. So my husband and I may have date night two times a month versus four. We don't have cable. We may um, thrift our clothes versus buying it new. So these are the kind of adjustments we make, but to still make sure that our son has the full life he has 
there are definitely no shortcuts on cutting back on my son's needs because we want to make sure he has the wholly fulfilled life that he has for him. And that's the thing that um, a lot of people might have this another misconception, I guess, that you are depriving yourself in that journey, that you're not getting exactly what you really want and you're going to be just, you know, living uh, in like, let's just say a small room, just eating noodles every single day, you know, I'm going to be really enjoying it. And oh my gosh, so I have to wait 10 more years. This is absolutely not true. Is, Mm. Is that correct? Mm, That's so true. So I always say this, it's not deprimation, it's prioritization. So you're prioritizing your future life now. So just the way of looking at it different, it comes back to mindset and how you see where you want to be. In my mind, um, we never eat rice and beans and ramen noodles. We still go out to eat here and there. Those are just things that we value. I value a good meal. So I'm going to spend on that. But I may not value a brand new Prada purse or um, cocktails with girlfriends every weekend. So it's just a matter of figuring out what makes sense for you and your plan. But there's always this idea that you're depriving yourself now. You're saving too much. You're not living your life now. I get it. I get that point of view. But if you talk to a lot of journeyers or fires who are going through the process, it's not really the case. There are those extremes that tend to get a lot of coverage on the media but most of us are just living a regular traditional life and saving at the same time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm able to travel. I'm, I'm able to enjoy things yeah. that I want to enjoy. I spend a lot of, you know, food on, on, on a lot of money on the food that I want to. It's like I'm budgeting and spending things on I want to. And I know that if I'm able to save some money and invest at the same time, it's really up to me how I'm going to do it. So it's definitely oh, yeah. not about deprivation. And also, let's talk about your financial situation, because like I said, I love that you're sharing your um, your numbers with the community on social media. Uh, what is your current financial independent situation and what are your like plans on, on becoming um, financially independent in the near future? Yeah. So as of today, it's bound to change. But as of today, our buy number is $2.45 million. And a large chunk of that would be invested in the stock market. So we end up uh, having about $1.9 million expected to be in the stock market. And that would be our traditional fine number. We also included about 150 grand for our son for his college fund. That's probably going to change and adjust. And then we have an emergency fund and then some real estate equity in there as well. So we hope to retire by my 40th birthday, which would be about eight, eight and a half years from now. So that's the goal, but I can't predict the future. I know I made a video about that on my page and a lot of people were like, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it may happen faster or sooner or whatnot, but that's our plan right now. And we're going to stick towards it. Exactly. As long as you have a plan and you have a clear idea of what you're doing, exactly, and then exactly what you're doing and then you're investing, investing and educating yourself. This is number one. This is priority. I think so. And um, one of the last questions that I have for you is, um, I'm just curious because, you know, just like with me, I started a podcast only three months ago. You started your journey um, on social media not so long ago. I was just wondering what made you want to do it? What made you want to start that journey and share with others? Yeah, I think the number one reason, I think it's about a year now, a year next week that I've been on social media kind of documenting my journey publicly. Um, Honestly, I saw a lot of, people in the fire community sharing their story, sharing the information, but not sharing the numbers. And that kind of got me a little bit like, not mad, but I'm like, really? And I want to get into the details of like how you're doing it. So you would hear 70% of their income is being saved. 
then I'm like, I want to see your budget. How do you do it? Where do you do? What's the shifts? What's the change and adjustments? And there are a few that are, I do follow that do kind of share the numbers. And so I wanted to be one of them who are also sharing the numbers. And I found that people actually love it when I share the true numbers. If I yes. spent $275 on groceries, they want to know exactly what I bought on groceries. And I think that the realer I get with my numbers and the truer I am in showing exactly what we're doing, the more people I can educate and help and relate with. Like, you know, I think I showed my phone bill. I think it was like 160 something, me and my husband's phone bill. And somebody was like, you know, you can use this phone bill company and get, and I was like, what? And then now my phone bill is like $90. So it's just like, and not only helps them, but it helps me when I'm showing the true numbers and showing that. And I, I've grown so much in this last year in my financial knowledge because I've been on those platforms. I, I love it. And this is one of the reasons why I decided to write to you because I resonate with you and I love those numbers and I love the artwork and the amount of work that you put. So I'm definitely going to, you know, include the information about YouTube channel. I appreciate it. <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, okay. So last question is what are your plans after achieving fire? I know we talked about it a little bit before we started recording this, but um, yeah, if you can share with others, what's your plan? So ultimate goal, two things. One, to relocate abroad. We have a couple of countries we're looking at, a couple of them in sub-Saharan Africa, and then um, within Europe. Poland? And then, that isn't there, but I do love Poland. Great people. Thank you for my experience there a couple of years ago. Um, but then the second thing would be to get into the nonprofit sector. So my ultimate goal in life is to have a nonprofit or a foundation that just helps organizations impacting women and children's life around the world. Fabulous. Giving, giving back to a community. That's what yeah. I really, really love. Uh, so Grace, how can people follow your journey online? How can people find you on Instagram and YouTube? Yes, I'm only on two platforms. As you said, I'm on YouTube under Road to Fire. And then I'm on Instagram as in Road to Fire as well with underscore after road. And then you can definitely find my email address on my YouTube channel. Fabulous. Awesome. Great chatting with you. I know there was a lot of information and this is a topic that people can talk about for hours. That's why there are so many podcasts and books and there's so much information on, online. And I really hope that after listening to this some people will really get the idea, at least the basic idea of really what financial independence is. And that's really achievable, not just for a person that's like I am, uh, you know, single, but also for a family of three. Um, so, you know, I wish you all the best. I, I hope you're going to be able to get to that point even faster uh, than you want to. Uh, so thanks a lot for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. You know, I could talk hours and hours about money. So I appreciate this so much. Great. Thanks a lot, Grace. Thanks a lot for joining the podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and also let your friends and family know about Journey to Freedom. Also, consider supporting me on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash journey to freedom. Patreon is a membership platform that allows you to connect with me on one-on-one -on -one basis. It's a place where I share exclusive content such as personal spreadsheets, traveling tips and advice, and of course, show notes from every single episode. It's a place where you can find a lot of insightful links, files, and so much more. Thanks a lot for listening and I'll catch you on the next one.